Welcome to CEO Interviews, a production of Gorecom, in which we take the time to speak with small cap executives about their companies. With us today for the first time ever, Ian L. Patterson, CEO of Pluralock Security, trades in Canada under PLUR. For our friends in the U.S., PLCKF. For those of you the story, sit back. You're going to love it because you know Agoracom loves disruptive tech companies. First thing you have to know, the global cybersecurity market forecasted $350 billion by 2026. Why? That's an easy one. More and more of us are online. Businesses are fully digital. But that's brought increased cyber threats, attacks. We've seen it all. You'd have to live under a rock uh, not to know it. So cybersecurity, big market, what's Pluralock going to do? Listen to this. They were founded on novel technology that authenticates a person's identity using behavioral biometrics. So what does that mean? Let me give you the example of a house. My house, and by the way, Pluralock doesn't, doesn't do home security, but this is a layman's example here. My home could be secured by Pluralock. That means the doors, the windows are secured. But somebody gets through. Step two is Pluralock's you know, motion technology would identify not only that someone's moving to the house, but through biometrics, behavior biometrics, would identify, would identify if that's actually me or one of the members of my family. If it's not, then it shuts down the rest of the house because it knows by behavior that that's not somebody that belongs to the family. So let's apply that to cybersecurity. My laptop, for example, has login detection, but somebody gets through then like you know, a member of my family or the plumber comes in or something like that, then it's got in-session technology. It actually knows from the way the keyboard is being hit and the patterns, if that's me or somebody else. That's the blow away. Now you know why I love Pluralock because that technology to me is, is just fantastic. And it combines behavioral biometrics with machine learning to provide continuous, continuous authentication. More than just lip service, Q3 revenues, 15 mil, and I'm rounding up and down here. Nine-month revenues, 24 million. Q3 new orders, 8.5 million just under new orders uh, from the U.S. Department of Defense, U.S. Air Force. So they're not just walking the walk in cybersecurity. They're talking the talk. Ian, welcome to the show. George, great to be here. You've stolen all of my greatest hits. Uh, I usually... I usually get people really excited with my house analogy, but I think you did it even better than I did. So excited to be talking to, to you about Pluralock here today. Well, you know what the good thing is? Let the layman's examples come out of the way with me, right? So you can talk about the really great stuff. But it's easy to have an intro like that because your technology is fascinating and it's winning in the market. So let's talk about some other applications. I, from, I use the house as an example. You guys don't do homes. Keyboard is an easy one for all of us at home to understand. Give us an idea of some other kind of layman's applications of how your technology is being used by customers who are buying, who are who are acquiring your technology in the millions of dollars, millions of dollars. Oh, so, so it's a great question, and I think all of this comes back to uh, a form of biometrics. A lot of people are familiar with fingerprints because uh, the iPhones and the Androids could unlock your phone using your thumbprint, and then. From there, they've they've also expanded to facial recognition. So biometrics, just as a field, I think is becoming really, really mainstream. Right. Behavioral biometrics is functionally what we do. And so we're looking at somebody's individual patterns of behavior over time as a form of authentication. So it's a it's a type of biometrics, but it just it happens over a period of time. Now, why is that important? Well, 
this gives us an ability to continuously authenticate people. So let me give you an, an example. You log into your business system Monday morning, nine o'clock, you sit down, you start logging in, maybe you're trading online, maybe you're sending big wire transfers, but you know, like important stuff. The question is, are you still the same person five minutes after you logged in, two hours after you logged in, six hours after right. you logged in, or have you changed? Now, I walk away from my laptop all the time. There are people walking around the house. I Somebody could just pop right into my laptop, say, oh, he's, he's up. Let me do what I got to do here. Well, and how, how many times have you gone into Starbucks? I mean, back when we were allowed to go into Starbucks and you'd see somebody who just walked away from the laptop in, in, a, in a public space. I've actually got a, you know, I try and take photos any time I see this because uh, it happens all the time. Now, the question is, if you had traditional biometrics like a thumbprint, facial recognition scan, et cetera, you're typically only authenticating at that moment, when right. you unlock your phone, nine o'clock in the morning, et cetera. The beauty of behavioral biometrics is you can actually do this continuously. So great example, we had a large uh, overseas financial institution. They, they bought our services, or our, excuse me, our products. Um, contract value is over $600,000 because they wanted to authenticate their employees every single minute of the day. And when they tested our software, they, they found that they could reliably detect that it's the right authorized user every minute that they were using the software. And that just provides such a, such a paradigm shift in terms of how to think about authentication. Well, Ian, let me ask you something. Um, for, if I installed an, uh, you know, a Gorecom, let's say, or Georgecom, we'll call it George, Georgecom, big enterprise, all these marketing agency guys, right? And I install it, for example, on my laptops, because I want to make sure that nobody gets onto any of my employees' laptops and starts writing really bad messages about Pluralock on Twitter. How long, so if I'm on my laptop right now, how long, would, if, if we installed your secure, your systems today, how long would it take for your system to really learn what my biometrics move, my keyboard typing is like? And I know it's continuous, it's always learning forever, but how long until you get that first level where it says, all right, we got a pretty good idea that this is how George types on this keyboard? So it's a, it's a very astute question because we have artificial intelligence and machine learning in the background. And that always takes time to build a profile. It doesn't right. matter what profile you're type, trying, to, trying to build, it always takes time. Generally, we say it takes a couple of weeks to build that initial profile to know what is different about George as compared to everybody else. Functionally, we can do it a little bit faster, but what we have found in practice is that not every employee of a company is actually grinding away, typing on the keyboard and also moving their mouse because we do mouse biometrics as well. And we've got, a bunch okay. of patent, we've got a bunch of patents around that. Not everybody actually does a lot of work. And, and uh, you may find this surprising or you may not, the more executive you become, the less work you actually do on your devices. And of course, you want to make sure you protect the executives because they have access to all of the sensitive data. So it's kind of an interesting dichotomy there. Yeah, yeah. Really speaking, we're going to do a couple of weeks, build that baseline profile. Then we can start making authentication decisions. The other thing that's, that's a little bit different about our software is that when we detect something suspicious or anomalous, we can take different actions. So as an example. Right. You don't have to put out a code red and shut everything down. Uh, you can put on pause or something like that for a minute until the second person, uh, whatever. But yeah, that, that's great to know that you have those kind of those kind of options. Correct. And in, in some cases, 
maybe the user doesn't even notice anything, but you are sending the code red to the security team so that they can investigate. So uh -huh. it's very, very configurable and customizable. Um, and, and that's part of the part of the benefit of, of the software that, that we, uh, we built. Unbelievable. Let me ask you a second question now. Two, three weeks has gone by. Uh, you know, it's on George's laptop, it's on everyone's laptop. So let's say it's two and a half, two weeks later, and your your uh, your system has a pretty good idea of my biometrics and my behavior biometrics on my keyboard now. I walk away to go grab some lunch. Somebody pops on my keyboard to to do bad things. How long will it take? So how long how long does it take of John Doe being on my keyboard, trying to you know do whatever you got to do for the system to pick up and say, hey, that's not George. So. There's actually two answers. The, the first answer is every three to five seconds, we're making an authentication determination wow. based on your behavior. However, we're probably not going to take action until we have multiple confirmationary events in a row. And so think of it in terms of a line, like almost like a, a sine wave, you know, where, where you're looking at like somebody's heartbeat and you kind of you, you kind of see something and then suspicious, a little bit more suspicious. And then when it reaches a threshold, then we will take some sort of action that action typically is going to be every minute so by the time that minute That's has elapsed we've got you know a, enough data collected where we have high confidence that maybe it's not george maybe george actually got a, a usb drive sent to him in the mail plugged it in and that usb drive was taken over the computer this is actually an attack that that was in the news just a couple of weeks ago great example of what we would what we would defend against so Normally, I'd ask at this point because it's disruptive tech, it's great tech, something very new to most of us. All right. I would think, the, especially investors, this would be really, really new to them. I'd ask, all right, and so what's the response? How's the commercial acceptance? Are you getting any traction? But clearly, you're getting fantastic traction because I read off the numbers uh, during my intro, and I'll say it again that your nine month revenues are just under $25 million, you, and you're getting orders from the USDOD, right? So what is the profile? What's a typical profile of a, of a plural lock customer? You're going to enterprise level, I'm, I'm assuming. Um, how are you getting out there? Are you got, you got uh, partnerships, joint ventures, or is it your own direct sales force that you're calling on the biggest companies in the world? So really good question and, and good opportunity to describe. We actually have two parts to our business. So Pluralock is a cybersecurity company. We started just as a pure play software company what happens though, particularly in larger enterprises, government, militaries, Fortune 1000s, is that software is not the only answer. Uh, in fact, I was on a webinar this morning with the former director of the NSA, who's also one of our board members, and we were, we were talking about the fact that cybersecurity needs a lot of collaboration. It's a team sport in order to actually be effective. So there's two parts to our business. We have a software division which we call our technology division and that's where we build and sell our defend product which is what we've been talking about so far we've got a couple of other offerings as well we've also um, grown through acquisition and so last year we made a really key transformative acquisition company in the united states called aurora they're based in california they're an existing defense contractor they've got a great base of customers and so our go-to-market motion is that we are uh, acquisition oriented. We want to acquire companies that are in the cybersecurity space that, um, that maybe do services work. Maybe they resell other people's work um, or other, uh, resell other people's products, excuse me. But they've got great relationships and distribution. <coughs> 
then what we're what we're doing on the technology division side is we're saying look we have we have a direct sales force but we also think that we can accelerate our go to market by being able to cross sell those higher margin software products that we build and make through the uh through the other division through the the solutions division so it's a little bit of a different story than just a pure play software company but it really was a response from the market the fact that you can't buy just a single product and be secure as is the case in cybersecurity really means that for us to have deep long lasting relationships with customers we need to go to them with a with a whole bevy of solutions with the, with the suite but having said that and and that's great it makes sense so I, i'm assuming the m a is going to continue to grow uh having said that in the meantime uh, i'm presuming that you're you're probably on the radar of a lot of big cybersecurity companies out there already that are saying hey ian you can't buy us we're not necessarily going to buy you but let's partner up together because george Com offers these products and solutions and you guys offer what you offer and let's put them together and go after big tenders or big enterprise clients is that just a bad is that just a big assumption by me or is that happening absolutely happening so we've we've certainly teamed uh with with a number of large oems on on deals we also announced a, a fairly significant partnership with absolute software um so another canadian uh, uh success story um with their endpoint management system and and so we've been um uh, i'd say we've been very partner focused because at the end of the day cybersecurity is a team sport you you need a collection of tools to actually reduce risk and prevent bad guys from doing damage to your systems um and so that's just the the nature of the industry uh and so the fact that that we have seen that and and are responding in a way that is i think a little bit different um, then most, again, just traditional software companies that want to be hands off. We actually want to go solve problems for our customers and, and we're bringing the solutions with us to do that. Third party validation is a very big thing at Agoracom. Uh, we talk about this all the time because small cap companies obviously have big hopes, they have big, big dreams, and they always think that their widget is the best widget in the world. Um, so you've already got validation in terms of the revenue. That means you know people use the product, that's great. But you also were awarded, I'm going to read this off in September, Authentication Solution of the Year at the 2021 Cybersecurity Breakthrough Awards. So between that and the U.S. DOD and the U.S. Air Force, you know, how does it feel to have gone through some pretty incredible levels of scrutiny? So I can only imagine what you guys went through with the U.S. DOD. Um, and and what, what kind of comfort should that bring to shareholders or potential investors in the company? knowing that you're going through some pretty high thresholds to get your solutions through. So again, very, very good question, because the uh, effort required to sell into, I'll just say governments, uh, just generally, whether it's federal or state or local, um, I think is is different, but also higher in some cases than selling to somebody who's just a commercial enterprise. And so Plurilock has gone through a tremendous amount of vetting, both at the company level as well as at the product level um, through our technology division products. Um, and we try and wherever possible, we, we do try and publicize that. I mean, the um, you know, the, the bank that we talked about earlier in the press release when we announced that contract win, we actually said, look, here is how they evaluated the product. Here are the success metrics that they had as a result of that, that uh, validation, evaluation, validation. Um, and that ultimately led to a purchase. And so wherever possible, we try and disclose that. And, and 
Um, you know, the one of the challenges in cybersecurity is that it's not often easy to be able to name your individual customer. Yeah, because that's a paradox that George right. Call Ministries doesn't want the world to know. It's got plural lock because the less the world knows, the the less likely they are to try and get through. So you got to walk that 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 tightrope. Correct. But I think wherever possible, we are we are trying to publicize those. And, and certainly when we're putting out the press releases, you know, we 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 try and be very intentional about saying, look, what did they purchase? What was their problem? If if we can, did we sell the defend product? Uh, you know, was it something else, et cetera? So certainly the 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 great news here is that we've been public for over a year and we've started to um, amass a, a bit of a track record. If we just look behind us to say, what did we intend to do when we went public just over a year ago? What did we actually accomplish? And, and those two lists look pretty similar, not, not exactly. Uh, you know, nobody ever hits their goals 100%. If you do, then you didn't set good goals. They weren't ambitious enough. Um, you know, but we said we wanted to go public. We said we wanted to grow our sales force. We said we wanted to go to market. And we said we wanted to do acquisitions. And we were successful on a number of fronts. And, and to your point, you know, we also beat out uh, a good number of other um, vendors in, in winning a, a fairly prestigious award, in my opinion. So I'm excited about what we've accomplished in 2021. I'm really excited about 2022. And um, is, is this going to be the future? Because I'm, I'm glad you said that. You have all the reason in the world to be excited about 2022. Is this going to be the future? Because I got to tell you, I've always been a little bit skeptical about just, just baseline biometrics, my thumb, you know, or my face, because it just seems like that's it's not all that difficult to break through right and we've seen people examples of where they uh with facial recognition they can use someone's picture if it's a really good picture they can get through stuff um so i've, I've never quite been sold on i've always said okay cool that we've progressed to there but i just don't see that as being the the end all be all five years from now when people can duplicate and fake anything but motion right by biometric motion to me that seems to me like the holy grail because someone can't break into my laptop and copy my style of keyboards and moving mouses and doing and moving mouse and all, and all sorts of things like that. Is that where the future is going? And if if it if that's the case, um, are you expecting to get a lot more attention from your market? I'm not talking about the stock market from you know your target market. Will this be an exponential year of growth? Because you've generated revenue, you've won awards, you've got some high profile customers. So anybody that might've been skeptical a year ago, which is always the case with new technology, you know, new things that are burgeoning, maybe they're getting over, maybe they're going over the fence right now and saying, okay, we got to go in on plural lock here. Um, there, there's so much to unpack in that question. So, so let me, let me try and tackle it this way. I think it's not just about the individual way in which we are authenticating a user. Um, if we if we actually take a step back, the authentication industry hasn't changed a whole lot since the 60s and 70s. So if you go back to the 1970s when computers were just getting going, people logged in with a login password. Right. Well, guess what? We're still logging in with a login password. So we haven't really changed that much. Now, the 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 major advancement in authentication was the idea of having multi-factor authentication. So it's not just something that you know, which is like a password or a PIN number, but it's something that you know, something that you are, and something that you have. So two out of those three things were significantly better than just one out of those three things. Now, it's, it's important to remember, nothing is bulletproof in security. And actually, this, this, there's a great analogy here. If you think about 
safes and traditional locks, like, like physical safes and physical locks, there's no vendor in the world that says this is impenetrable. All of them are rated in how long does it take a bad guy to get right. in? And the really expensive ones take longer for a bad guy to get in. The same is sort of true in cybersecurity. There's no, there's no perfect solution. If there was, there would only be about one solution in the world and we'd all use it. Well, there isn't. So the, the more important thing that the industry is realizing is that you need a defense in-depth strategy. So if this breaks, then this can take over. If that fails, then you can go over here. If they get around this, then you've got this other thing. So that's the first part. The second is this concept called zero trust. And you're gonna be seeing a lot more of this, both from Pluralock as well as from the industry at large, which is this new way of thinking about cybersecurity. So to put that into context, it used to be that you'd have a firewall and everybody inside the firewall, inside the perimeter was trusted and everybody outside the firewall was untrusted. And what we found is that didn't really do anything to stop data breaches. We still have more it data breaches. It creates a bit of a fake sense of security. Correct. And we and in fact, we had more data breaches in 2022 than in the last 15 years combined prior to that. So problem was not solved. Now what we're seeing is this move to zero trust, which is this idea that you should not trust anybody, period, unless you have authenticated them exactly at that period of time. So we saw this in President Biden's uh, executive order that came out uh, last year where he emphasized zero trust and zero trust architecture. We're seeing a number of standards come out from places like NIST uh, where they're trying to um, encapsulate zero trust. So I would say that from my perspective, the industry at large is moving to zero trust. How does that apply to authentication? Well, we talked at the beginning about this idea that if you authenticate at nine o'clock in the morning, you may not be the same person later on in the day. And so from our perspective, there's going to be a paradigm shift. There has to be a paradigm shift in authentication to move from a point in time to a continuous model. Now, if we are correct, if that is in fact what the industry does. I think you are, but you know, that's, I'm not, I'm not the end all be all unfortunately, but I think- Well, we're biased, but I agree with you. I think the industry is moving that way as well. But our thesis is if the industry is moving to more of a continuous model, we believe that our software products at Pluralop are really well positioned to be successful. And so that's the, effectively the bet that we are making in addition to uh, you know, our, our business model, which is through acquisitions, we can also help bring other products and services to, to satisfy the customer. So if we can get in the door, if we can have a, a differentiated product, we ultimately think and, and hope that we'll be successful. Ian, there's so much more to talk about. We could talk about Pluralock for another hour, but I thought it was important for to get this one under our belt, so people really get an idea of who Pluralock is, because that and we're gonna we're gonna have you on a lot more, obviously. But you know, I do want to talk about your patent portfolio. I do want to talk about having you know former NSA people on the board, right? Because that speaks to more and more validation. But for now, I just think you guys have built something really fantastic, great technology. For the minute I saw it at first, like what this doesn't you know, but then when I really got to understand it. It's, it's something special you guys have done and the numbers you know speak for themselves. So congratulations on what you guys have done in hitting most of your, if not all, I don't know if you were just trying to be you know, uh, you know, magnanimous. No, never never like hit them all, never hit them all. You, you need to be more ambitious. That's, that's what I, I keep telling our team. If we hit our, all of our goals, we screwed up in planning. Well, congratulations on hitting almost all the attainable ones and shame on you for not hitting the unattainable one. You better hit them this year, there but you know, you hit it on, you hit it on the, on the income statement, you hit it on the balance sheet. 
you hit it on the award side, you hit it on the, you know, on the tier one customer side. I think you guys had a fantastic first year and I also can't wait to see what you're going to do in 2022 and can't wait to have you back. Thanks, sir. Really appreciate it. For everybody at home, you've been watching or you've been listening by podcast on Spotify, Google, Apple, your favorite podcast platform to Ian L. Patterson, Pluralock Security, Inc. Trades in Canada, PLUR, for our friends in the U.S., PLCKF. You got to do your due diligence now, guys, because you believe in the future of cybersecurity. I don't know why you wouldn't, because we're all digital and we're all thinking about it. Then you've got to do your due diligence on Pluralock. Two ways to do that. First, get to the Agoracom hub. Take a look at all the material we have there for you. But then more importantly, once you've got that good general idea and you're ready to do your deep dive, click over the Pluralock website, do your deep dive due diligence, and hopefully today you discovered your next amazing small cap cybersecurity company. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. See you next time. Hey, guys. The video's over, but don't forget to help your company by liking it and even leaving a comment below. And then don't forget to help yourself by subscribing to our YouTube channel so you never miss another great Agoracom small cap video.